Amen. It's good to see you this morning. If you have your Bibles, open up to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, welcome in. And uh, it's good that y'all got the message of the service time change and you're here with us. So thank you for being here, Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, if you notice on the screen before, you, before, you, uh, before we got into worship, uh, we have a new sermon series coming up starting in July. Today we're going to finish out the sermon series, Build This House, and we'll finish that out today. Uh, and then next week we're going to get into a sermon series called Church Words. Church Words. And we're going to start taking some of the words that we use regularly in the church from the pulpit and make sure that everybody knows them together. Some of the words that we use often and, uh, and that we can make those plain as, as we think about the things that we believe in and who we are. And so we'll be getting into that next week. But, but to illustrate or to really kind of lead in to, uh, to what we're going to be looking at, I've asked a, a couple of friends of ours. Uh, we have a, a family that's coming, part of a family that's coming. This is Heather and Lainey Goff. And uh, they're going to come this morning. And we're going to lead into our, our new sermon series. Again, this starts next week. But we want to introduce this sermon series to you by basically just having a spelling contest, okay? So would y'all welcome uh, Heather and Lainey Goff to the stage, all right? All right, welcome in. So basically what we're trying to do is we're going to, Lainey, we're going to make sure you win. That's what we're going to do, okay? All right, so we're going to ask you to spell a word. You have the microphone. Now, I've known your mom for a long time, and, and she's really smart, but we're going to challenge her today, and it's every, every intention we have to make sure that you win and she loses, okay? All right, so, all right, Lainey, your first word to spell, your first church word is Jesus. J-E-S-U-S. Hey, come on, right? Awesome, awesome, Lainey, you're doing great. Laney's up one nothing. Okay, one nothing. Very good. Uh, Heather, your first word will be Septuagint. Septuagint. I, I, wait, I can tell, like, you, have you been up late last night looking over some of these things? It feels like the way you just walked into this mic that... I'm just big on spelling. Big. Got it. Okay, I didn't know that. Didn't know that, so we're going to test that out today. Very good. It's wrong, but very good. All right? All right. So Septuagint is S-E-P-T-U-A-G-I-N-T. Septuagint is the Greek uh, Old Testament, Greek version of the Old Testament. So a little education there. All right, very good. Laney, you're up one nothing. The plan is working to perfection. All right, very good. Uh, Laney, you're, and valiant effort. Very good, very good, Heather. Uh, your, your second word, Laney, is church. Church. Very good. All right. 2-0. Right? 2-0. All right. Uh, are you nervous now? Got it. Because <laughs> the second one's hard, too. All right. So your second word is pneumatology. Pneumatology. Is Laney helping you? I feel like Laney's helping you. <laughs> That's a tough one. Would you like a language of origin? Yes, I would. Yeah. I don't have it. I just, I've watched ESPN enough that, use it in a sentence. Uh, your word is pneumatology. There's your sentence. <laughs> pneumatology is the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. That's what pneumatology is. So, uh, pneumatology. N-U-M-A-T-O-L-G-Y. That's very good, but it's also wrong. P-N-E-U-M-A-T-O-L-O-G-Y. It's a silent P. 
It's a silent pity. Yeah, valiant effort. Now people are, are clapping for you out of pity. It's all good. Um, you want to do one more? Okay, we'll do one more. A pew. How about pew? Church has in church pews. It's a little. You got it. Oh, Heather said she has this one. Yeah, thanks, Heather. It's good. Would you like to phone a friend? All right. Uh, so let's have Heather's uh, dad from the back. Let's let's uh, give her a suggestion of what you think pew is. I'm getting worried about David. Yes, you're spelling it. Correct. P E W. Are you going with that? He's going. That's that's all right. Very good. You're three for three. Three for three. All right, Heather. Your last word. All right, your last word is ecclesia. Yeah, you got this one. Yeah, we'll see. E-C-C. <laughs> L-E-S-I-A. Hey, give her a hand. Give her a hand. Once again, it's wrong, but very good effort. It's actually E-K-K, and you got the rest of it right. So that's right. Ecclesiastes, right? But this is actually that's the Greek word for church. Yeah, that's right. The called out ones. But hey, you guys did a great job. Give him a hand. You hand it to Bradley right there. Thank y'all for being good sports. Laney, good job. It was our goal to make sure that Laney won, and she did. Thank you, uh, David, for chiming in back there, man. We appreciate that. Impromptu. And so next week, we'll look at church words, and uh, we'll start uh, kind of laying out some of the things we say often, what they mean and what they mean to us. Okay? Uh, this, this week, we continue to uh, finalize or finish out our sermon called Build This House, talking about the structures that we build and the things that we are a part of. And message, message one of this series can be summed up this way, that we build structures in this life that either represent that God saves or we blend them with the world that needs saving. If we are part of building up groups, churches, businesses, teams, it all represents something. And, and in our building and building up, we are either pointing people towards the Lord or we are either blending in with the world. That's what message one was about. Message two can be summed up this way, that our structures will withstand the elements if they're built upon the wisdom of God. The scripture promises us that if our structures that we are building, whether it be a family, whether it be a church, a business, whatever, when we build those things with the wisdom of God, that the elements of the world will come against those structures and they will not be blown down. And so this final message today of build this house is not so much about the, the structures that we are building but about the structure that we are a part of if you are a believer in Jesus. If you are a follower of Christ, you are already a part of the structure that is being built called the church. And we are responsible within that structure to make sure that this structure stands and grows. So if you turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 21, we're going to read those verses. We'll pray and then we'll get started. Verse 19, the Bible says, So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for this church. 
We pray, God, now over, over the main campus, the north campus, the east campus. Lord, that you would just use us for your glory. Apart from you, we can do nothing. We can do nothing of eternal value. So, Spirit of God, would you guide us into all truth. Lord, help us to, to understand what you would have from us personally in our walk with you. Lord, direct our attention. Get our mind off of what's coming up next and what we've been through this week. And help us just to focus in on what you would say to us. Lord, through these times, we, we pray for your presence. We pray, oh God, for leading, that you would give us wisdom for today, vision for the future. Help us to navigate through this uncertainty. And we thank you, Lord, for how you promised to always be with us, to never leave us nor forsake us. We praise you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 19, once again, says that now you Gentiles are no longer strangers. You're no longer foreigners. We're going to talk about what that means. Scripture says you're citizens along with God's holy people. And what that means, you are members of God's family. Verse 19 is a word that is spoken to the Gentiles. Basically, the Gentiles are all the people not born into the nation of Israel. It is God's desire in the Old Testament to relate to the world. It's God's desire in the New Testament era to relate to the world. But in the Old Testament era, God desired to relate to the world through a people group that he would choose for himself called the nation of Israel, the Israelites. And through that people group, God would bless or reach the world. That was God's plan. The Gentiles then were strangers, as the scripture says. They were foreigners to the, they were outsiders looking to the inside of God's covenant promises. They, they were outsiders socially. They were socially separated from the nation of Israel. They were outsiders spiritually as they were spiritually separated from God without specifically the privilege of his promises and without his covering to the world. Now, when we talk about how there are insiders and outsiders, and we tell you who the nation of Israel is, and that the nation of Israel is this chosen people of God to take the gospel, to take the good news into the world. This is, is a dividing line between them and the other. And the Gentiles are the other. And, and maybe there's this feeling of compassion that bubbles up inside of you because you're thinking about the group that's on the outside looking in. And if that's there, that's, that's good because God had the same compassion. And, and again, as we think about that, we would also be probably remiss to think that every single person that was a Gentile was really seeking hard after God. Like they were on the outside looking in, but they really wanted to know God of, the, of Israel. So with that, if you're thinking that way, the scripture says that in fairness, God in Romans chapter 1 set his anger against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. It goes on to say in Romans chapter 1 that God's anger is against all of those who think it foolish to acknowledge God. So it would be real sweet for us all to think that, that the Gentiles on the outside looking in were all seeking God. And they all wanted to know who God was and they wanted to be a part of the, of the family of God. But scripture actually indicates the opposite. That most of them, along with even some of the nation of Israel, a good number of them were also on the outside looking in because their heart was not right with God, even though God's promises were over them. So many, in fact, were, were, were outside of God's promises when they were under the covering of his covenant because their heart was wrong. And then you had people like Rahab and Ruth that were of Gentile origin, and they sought to know God, and by faith God saved them because of the promise to come of salvation through Jesus. And so you've got people on the inside that think they're on the inside that are on the outside. 
you got people that are on the outside that want to be on the inside that are on the inside. That's hard to follow. I understand that. But if you read all of this, verse 19 is going to lead you to know that when you are in Christ, you are in. When you are in Christ, you are in. Heaven is not exclusive when God has made it available to the whosoever. The scripture says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13, But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you, meaning the Gentiles, and basically meaning everybody outside of God and outside of Christ, once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought to him, near to him, through the blood of Christ. If you are left out of heaven, it will be because you have held down the truth. It will be because you have rejected the free gift of God's mercy and grace and, and, and you, if you are left out of heaven, it will be because you are, as the scripture says, foolish to acknowledge God. But if you are in Christ, you're in. As, as a follower of Christ, you're not a man without a country. As a follower of Christ, you're, you're not a woman that's an island. You are a citizen of heaven, the Bible says. As a follower of Christ, you are, you are a, a subject to the king and the kingdom. You're part of the kingdom, not a kingdom. As a follower of Christ, you've got a family. You're not an orphan, somebody say amen. You're not an orphan. You have brothers and sisters. You've got a, a heavenly father. You're a member of God's family, sons and daughters. It's all right there in verse 19. If you're in, if you're in Christ, you're in. And it also should be noted that because this is what God says about who you are and what organization you and I are a part of, we better be good to our brothers and sisters. For all of those who, who share the same banner of Jesus Christ and the inside knowing the truth, there is no rank or privilege within the church. There are no second-class citizens in the kingdom. All enjoy equal title and privilege in the kingdom of God. Verse 20. Scripture says, Together we are his house. Now think about what that means for me and for you that are in Christ. The Bible says, Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. Verse 21, we are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Now keep in mind where we're going. If you're a Christian, the church is a structure that you are a part of and responsible to build as the people of God. And the Bible says, together we are his house. Now what does that mean? You look in verse 22, verse 22 will tell you what being the house of God actually means. The Bible says in verse 22, this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. So it says we are his house and the house is the dwelling where God lives by his spirit. I want you to let that sink in for a moment. If you are a church member, if you're a baptized believer in Jesus that turned from his sin and turned to God by faith, that means God dwells in you. I know that's crazy to think of. It's hard to take. It's even sometimes weird to understand. But the scripture talks about it over and over. How the spirit of God being on the inside of a believer is a guarantee that you are saved. And when you think about it that way, if last night you weren't doing what you were supposed to do and now you're experiencing conviction of sin over it this morning, then amen to you because God's on the inside of you working to get that outside. See, that, that's God inside of you. That's God dwelling within. Now, let that sink in for a moment. 
The Holy Spirit of God takes up permanent residence within the church. And the church is not the building. We know this. The church is the people that are believers in Jesus that have turned from them sin, turned from their sin, turned to God, baptized believers, making up the church. The Spirit of God dwells within us. This is the reason why the presentation on the outside matters. This is, why the re- this is the reason why the things that you post on social media matters. This is the reason why the things that you say about your neighbor or to your neighbor or to your friends matter. Because the outside presentation gives indication of who or what is on the inside. When, when my family used to drive down I-65 on the way to Birmingham, we'd look on the right and we would see that Hallmark house. You know the one I'm talking about on I-65 on the way down to Birmingham? The Hallmark house, such a beautiful, big, white house. And then it had that floating Christmas tree in the lake. You remember that? At Christmas time, it would light up. And then there was this big picturesque barn out there. It's the Hallmark house. Man, we used to drive by that. My sister and I, when we were little, and we'd be like, gosh, I wish we lived there. Right? Just looking from the outside, what an awesome place this is. Man, I wish we lived there. And my mama would always say, right on cue after we said that, she would always say, yeah, but somebody's got to clean that house. Every time. And it would roll my eyes and I thought to myself, if they built that house that big, they got somebody that's cleaning it for them. And that's the thing that I would, I would think. But, but here's what was happening within that. We were looking on the outside and we were thinking about how it looks from the outside and how cool it would be to be there. And my mother was thinking about who's on the inside because the one on the inside represents the style on the outside. The one on the inside represents the design and the value of what you're seeing on the outside. Our presentation as people gives indication to who or what is on the inside of us. If the Bible says that the Holy Spirit of God resides within the life of every believer, then we need to be walking in the Spirit so we don't give the world a false indication of who's on the inside of us. God lives in us. The scripture says, well, I mean, it alludes to the fact that being brought together as the house, we are the bricks and the boards. We are being brought together to, to, to show that God lives in us, that he takes up residence, and he is working to produce on the outside. That's the part I think we miss. The Holy Spirit of God is not just getting on to us when we don't present right on the outside. The Spirit of God, the Bible says in Philippians, is working on the inside of us to produce the desires that lead to righteousness. The Bible says in Philippians 2.13, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. So how do we do it? Then how do we, how do we accomplish that outside presentation that we know God wants us to be light and salt in the world we have to be those that let God have his way yield to where he is working the spirit of God we is on the inside of us and so it should lead to better words it should lead to a more hospitable welcoming personality it it should lead to works that are good and evangelism and missions because God is working to bring all those things out each and every day as God's Spirit dwells within us. And then the Scripture says in Ephesians 2.20 on the last part, we are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. Now, the apostles and the prophets are not the foundation themselves. They are sharing the words and the ways of Christ to build the foundation of the church that we are to stand on as a unit and live off of individually. 
They are sharing with us who Jesus is. And, and so whether you think this is the Old Testament prophets or you think that it's the New Testament messengers, regardless, we are not sharing the apostles and prophets. We are built upon the words and the ways of Jesus. The example even of the prophets, the example of the apostles is set by Jesus. And so they are laying the foundation for life itself based on the identity of Christ. And the cohesive agent in this building is the cornerstone. Amen? And the cornerstone is Jesus. And the scripture says in verse 20, together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And then it says, and the cornerstone, it doesn't say is the words of Jesus. It doesn't say in the cornerstone is the ways of Jesus. The Bible says that the cornerstone is Jesus himself. Because he's alive. He is God. This is the living God who we seek together, who not only holds the church together, but the Bible says in Colossians 1.17 that Jesus holds all creation together. If creation falls apart, it ain't on him. It's on us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, Paul said, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Now, we have a lot, a lot of teenagers, a lot of college kids. We had some in the first service as well. And I know what it's like. I, I'm not too old to not remember what it's like to be in high school, to be in college, and you're sitting in front of influential people that are, are preaching and teaching messages that are contrary to what you've been taught and what you've read in the Scripture. And hold on to this verse, that we are taught that there is no other, there's no need for any other foundation you've been given. If you've been given the foundation of Jesus, that's the one you stand on because that's the one that ain't going to crumble. And I know that's going to be hard as we, and even now we're taking in all these messages about how we should change things and the way that we should do things. But if we believe that this is God's word and this is the word that has led to our salvation, also take note when the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, there's no other foundation other than the one that's already been laid, which is Jesus Christ. I would venture to say that probably everyone in here today and maybe everyone watching online has played with Legos, right? Kids, everybody play with Legos? Yeah, we still got Legos in our home. Everybody's probably either seen them or played with them. The Lego company actually started in the 1930s, 1930s. The Legos themselves actually came out as a popular toy in the 1950s. So, so people have been playing with Legos since, since the early 1900s, almost 100 years if they came out in the 1930s. And so we, we know them to be this really stylish toy that's simple, but you can fit it apart and together, and it works very much like the one that I have here. You can take this, and this is what the Legos look like. And I don't know if this is actual Legos or knockoff, but still, <laughs> I'm not sure if these are. What did, Miss Lori gave me these, and these are mega blocks. So Legos or not, I don't know. doesn't matter, but it works for the purpose of the illustration. But you see how Legos work? I don't even have to explain this to you, right? Because you know this, we played with these things. Now, as I understand it, in engineering, and I'm not an engineer, so I had to look this up. But as I understand it, in engineering, a foundation is the element of the structure which connects the structure to the ground. Right? Foundation is the element of the structure that connects the structure to the ground. Therefore, it does not matter if you play with Legos that were made in the 1950s or if you play with Legos that were made in 2020. You can play with them and build them up and all this stuff, but when the element blows, it's going to fall to the ground. This is what our world does today. When the, when the structure blows to the ground, we don't think about the foundation. What we do is, 
is we say, well, this piece needs to go here. And then we'll try it this way. Gosh, that doesn't work either. Let's try that. Let's take the, let's take the blue and put both of those on the bottom. Now we've got a different structure. If we do things this way, it won't fall over. And then it falls over again. Well, I guess we've got to just try it again. Ah, it's the light blue on top. And this is what we do when we've given no thought to the connection to the ground. So we just search and we keep searching systems and tear it apart and put it back together. Maybe this will work. Look, now it's falling apart that way again. And we keep trying communication and we keep trying to make sure that our differences are reconciled and all these things. And it does not matter. Because if you're not connected to the grounded truth, it's going to fall over every time. And this is where our world is, and this will be the same for any structure we build. Family, church, our church will fall apart, not because of any kind of stylistic difference, not because of a change in leadership. Our church will fall apart if we are not connected to the truth. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. If we are not connected to the Messiah truth, then we too will face elements that will blow against us and will blow this house down. Same thing for your family. Now listen, when we talk about family here, I'm not talking about where you've been. You're underneath the sound of the word of God today, so we are thinking about where we're going forward. Amen? No matter where you've been, your future is spotless. So that's where we're headed. And we start to think about where we are headed in the new structures that you are building or rebuilding if you do not anchor to the ground, which is the bedrock of the wisdom of Jesus Christ, you will see it blow down to And that's not something that I'm coming up with as an opinion. This is the truth of God. The world never seems to consider the ground. We're only worried about the structures. And so I would say, let me make it plain this way. When your structures are falling apart, stop looking for new Legos. When your structures are falling apart, stop looking for new books and new wisdom and new thoughts and start thinking about the engineering of the foundation in that ground. Jesus As God connects all things to the grounded truth, again, the scripture says that Jesus is the way, not a way. He says that Jesus is the truth, that he's the life, and there's no way to the Father except through Christ. And so if we can trust God for our eternity, then we surely ought to trust God for our now, for what we're doing now. And Jesus is the cornerstone is the feature of the structure that determines the arrangement of all the other stones. He, he is the, the feature that makes sure that the building is level and that it doesn't topple over. It is Jesus himself, the living God. Jesus lived perfectly in this world. He died sacrificially for the world. He arose from the grave to exert his power over the world, and especially the church. So there's no need for an updated foundation. There's no need to try to start things over again with the current culture because Jesus is eternally solid. At the end of the day, the structures that are built upon Christ, his foundation, and the cornerstone of Christ, they'll stand. If our church falls apart, it won't be because of the structures. It'll be because the structures are not connected to the ground. If your family, once again, if your family falls apart, it won't be because of irreconcilable differences. It won't be because of lack of communication. Because we were not connected to the ground. Because you know what truth does? Truth speaks over your feelings. Truth tells you how to feel. That's what truth does. So you can't get past that. When God is telling you how to feel and you feel a different way, you can either line up with God or I guess you're going to get out of line. 
And we'll always be cleaning up the messes of our structures if we're not focused on the foundation. Man, I would encourage us all right now as we've got a little time to think, to think about what we're building on. Is the business that you're involved in, what kind of foundation does it have? Are we trying to make money regardless of what happens, or are we looking out for people in the world, even in the world that we're living in? The teams that you are a part of, the teams that you're leading, are you thinking about the foundation of them? Are you thinking about whether or not that structure points people to the Lord? Or are we just trying to figure out wins and losses? In the groups that you lead, are you trying to accumulate numbers? Are those groups being built off the foundation for God's glory and the good of people? In the churches that we lead, the families that we lead, we need to think about these things because building on Christ will produce solid, eternal, purposed structures. And this is what we are like. The scripture says in Ephesians 2.21, we are carefully joined together in him. The Jews and the Gentiles were very, very different. Again, think about what we're reading here. Paul's telling the Gentiles, now you are in Christ, so now you are in. And you guys, there's no more two. Now there's one because you are in Christ. And he says, we're carefully joined together. But if you look in chapter 2, he's going to describe the Jews and the Gentiles in, in two very separate dividing lines. You've got uh, outsiders and insiders. You've got circumcised and uncircumcised. Aware and unaware. Included, excluded. Near to, far from. This is the way the world was before Christ. Different backgrounds, different contexts, all creating a widening divide as time passed. One group was working real hard to get to heaven, working at it. They, they had the law. They were working real hard, even outside of the spirit of law, to get to heaven. One group didn't have the law, so they didn't even know how to work, even if they did work hard to get to heaven. And a large group didn't even care about working at all. So you got three different kinds of dividing lines there, but the Scripture speaks here to these very divided groups being unified. Now think about unity in a day and time like this. To very, all kinds of dividing lines, dividing people. And Scripture speaks to different people, different walks, different backgrounds being united. Paul has used this construction imagery to make a point. He also uses the temple imagery to make a point that the things are coming together to build these structures. I'm going to make this point by, by talking about music made this point recently. God gave me this illustration. I believe that wholeheartedly. So I used it recently. It meant a lot. It meant a lot to me. I want to share it with you. Some of my family members growing up could sing, and we, we were kind of a singing family anyway. So, man, a song may break out at any moment. And so we would sing, and some of them could sing in parts. Alto, soprano, bass, tenor, and it was pretty good. And that's probably the earliest memory that I have of, of singing in harmony and then there was boys to men, Cooley High Harmony in the 90s. Uh, that some of you remember, a large part of you like, still don't know who that is. And then uh, the first time I think that I remember hearing voices in harmony together and it really being powerful as one solid voice was in the Church of Christ. Now, I grew up Methodist and I had a lot of friends that were in the Church of Christ and sometimes we would visit them for a singing. And we go to those singings, and there was no music. There was parts, and they were taught the parts. And the alto and soprano and bass and tenor, they would sing, and they would all come together in one sound, it seemed like. But you knew at the same time that it was different. But it sure did sound good. Now, how does that work? As I understand it, for those notes to be sung in harmony, there must be a standard tune. That standard tune is called the melody. 
So when those parts are singing by that standard tune, there is harmony within the song. So when the Jews and the Gentiles submitted their lives and their context and their mess, when they submitted all that to the melody of the master, then there's unity in the structure. And that's what we've got in here. I'm from a different place than you are. You're from a different place than I am. We've got different backgrounds. We've got all kinds of things going on. We've got different family histories. we got all this. But you know what? We're still losers in sin, and that's where we all are. And so when we finally turn from ourselves and turn to the one true God, the one that sets the standard for the melody, and we all sing that same tune, now we're marching by the melody of the Messiah, and now we find ourselves being put together. And isn't that beautiful? God does this. Let me tell you what happens on a mission trip. This is why I encourage you to go on missions. Because last year at this time, Brother Dusty and I were in Africa. And what you'll do when you go on a mission trip across cultures is you will leave your culture, get on a plane in five, 16 uncomfortable hours, amen, to another part of the world. And you'll skip up off that plane and you'll be welcomed by brothers and sisters. 16 hours away. How is that? Because we look different, live different, it's all kinds of different, but we all sing in the same tune. And that tune, that standard melody comes from Jesus. He is the foundation. Our world keeps looking for ways to be brought together. It's got to have the same foundation. So if you're complaining about what you see on the news, turn those complaints into evangelism works. Because the only way that the world will come together under one banner is not going to be the flag of our country. It's not going to be one world united and all these different theologies and all these things. It's going to be under the foundation that's going to eternally stand and will not be shaken. So if we're really concerned about the world we're living in, we're going to start living as salt and light in this world. We're going to start sharing Jesus with a lot of people. Because that's the only way that it happens. Because God's the only one powerful enough to bring things together and make people think, I don't even know how this happened, but this sure is cool. The Scripture says... In Ephesians 2, 16, together as one body, Christ reconciled or brought together for right both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility towards each other was put to death. Did you hear that? The hostility towards the two groups was put together when both understood that they were all sorry. They all in a mess. The scripture says, for there is none good, no, not one. That's what the Bible says. So the cancel culture right now needs to be very careful as we tear down all kinds of things. Because here's the thing. We all sinners. <laughs> so if we think that one sin is the reason why all kinds of bad things happen, it ain't just one sin, it's all of them. And we all got that. So if we're going to start tearing down everybody, that's the thing. That's what sin does. And it's God's grace and mercy that makes us worth anything. The world's problem is that we're all singing a, a different tune. Racism is a sin. Absolutely a sin. And it's a problem, and you shouldn't think that it is not. But it's not the world's, nor the country's, nor the state's original sin. Racism is not the original sin. Doubt is the original sin. We don't take God at his word. If we would believe God for everything that he's saying, we'd all find ourselves singing on the same tune. Jesus said in John 16, 9, the world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. That's why we all go all kinds of different directions. And that's why those that are all going different directions can get on the same road when Jesus is the Lord. 
we who believe have a common bond of Christ. If you've watched any of the Wednesday night conversations, as I sat on the stage in, in recent weeks with men who, who were different than me, sometimes our thoughts are different, our contexts are different, our skin color is different. But man, we become good friends, and the reason for that is because of Jesus. That's the reason. It's because the blood of Christ covers them and it covers me. And we don't answer to our feelings. We answer to the Lord at the end of the day. What did Jesus pray in John 17, 21 for his church? I pray that they would all be one. That they would all be one, just as you and I are one, as he said to the Father. In our sin, again, we're all sorry, regardless of our context. But the scripture says that he joins us together in him. And I'm of the mind that if we all want to see this world be better than it is now, then we need to start taking all this stuff we're talking about today very seriously. The scripture says in Ephesians 2.21, as we get ready to close, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Together, the Bible says in verse 20, we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus. In verse 21, we are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Now notice that word, becoming. Becoming is a growth word. It's an increase word. It's a word that is, we ain't got there yet, but this is where we're going. This is not a word of arrival, but it is a word of forward progress, and it's relative to the continued addition to the church as people believe. As people believe, the church grows, and it's not done growing yet. But this is also, and I would also add with that, when the scripture says that we are becoming a holy temple for the Lord, and the church grows by people being added to it, we are a part of that because God's strategy to reach people are those who know him. And so we are to be interested in things like evangelism and missions and reaching out because the church is going to grow through that plan of God to reach the most. Israel didn't do a great job of being a blessing to the world, and it's God's plan that we are. Amen? And so with that, know that this is something that we're a part of. We're a part of the process of building the church. That is to be a holy temple of the Lord. And because it says holy temple, building the church is also relative to us individually. As we are becoming sanctified, like God, becoming holy. Now sanctified is one of those church words. It's a $5 word. That means being in the process of being made right. So here's what this means. This is good news for all of us today. If you are being sanctified, that means that God is working on you. You've not arrived to where God would have you to be. And if you're in that position, then welcome and join the rest of us. Because none of us have yet reached that perfection, but I keep on running is what Paul said. And, and so God is continually working on us to produce from the outside or the inside out who he is in our lives. We're being made right. We're in the process of becoming holy. And so with that, this is what I would tell you today. Don't quit. Don't quit. God is working on you. If, if you've gotten in sin and you feel bad about it, then good for you because that means the Holy Spirit of God is wearing you out. And thank God for that. I look back in my life and I think about uh, there's the church service in college. I've shared this many times. Church service in college we were all going to on Thursday nights and I knew the sin I'd put on myself on Wednesday night and I didn't want to go on Thursday night because God the Father was going to get on to his son. And I didn't want to go in there and hear that word because I know it would be a whipping. Just to be quite honest, I knew that God would have got on to me. But the reason that God disciplines is because he loves. 
It's because he loves us. That's why he gets on to us. And so if you're in a position where you're thinking, I just hate get there, I haven't arrived yet, then good for you because God is working on you to sanctify us. So don't quit. Again, high school students, college kids, it's such a tough time. We, we've talked to many young couples getting married. Again, I've said this over and over, but it's so true. And, and I have a premarital counseling this afternoon. And when I ask for their stories, a lot of the young couples will share the story, yes, you know, we, we have a, a, a right relationship with God. We were saved at whatever age. And then this is what they'll say. And then we went to college. <laughs> and then we went to college. Because college is tough. It's tough. I mean, you're finding out who you are real quick. And the world is bearing down on you. And you may find yourself sometimes in the struggle. But it's better to be in the struggle than not struggle at all. Now take that and don't take advantage of it, but take it. Because God's grace and his mercy is forever pursuing those who are struggling that are his. Because we're in the process of sanctification. Now, that's not a license to say, hey, man, we just gonna, God's working on us. We rough around the edges. Forget that. God's trying to make you holy. So stop making excuses for your sin and acknowledge that God is working on you to take you from chapter 2 and 3, like we talked about last week, to chapter 4. Go back and look at last week if you weren't here for that. We're becoming a holy temple. A, not just a temple, but we're becoming a holy temple for the Lord. God can, God can cover over what you've had happen in your life. God's grace is greater than all our sin. We sing it. Do we believe it? We still need the mercies every morning. That's why it gives it every morning. Because we need it. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 21 Paul is talking about the imagery of a home, how the church is being built up as the house, and he uses the home a lot, and he talks about being utensils in the house. Now today we're talking about being bricks and boards, and then he talks about being uh, dwelling in the temple and giving that imagery. But, but then, he, if you look in 2 Timothy, Paul is writing to his protege, and he's talking about how we are utensils in the home, in the hand of the master. And he says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 21, if you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use and your life will be clean and you'll be ready for the master to use you watch this for every good work all of them see sometimes we thank god for the grace and mercy now we're on the inside of the church and we'll do some things but we won't do all of it because we ain't got there yet and we'll say that to the day we die god help us when god's desire in the process of sanctification is to make us holy to make us like god and when we become like god we won't be these little utensils that are old forks and spoons that you bring out when everybody's there that you don't really entertain we'll bring out the fine dining china and that's what god is trying to make us is the fine china that you can use all the time to impress for every good work your life will be clean the bible says in the king james version the word sanctified means to make holy. God's Spirit is working on us. If God's Spirit's not working on you, you need to have a conversation that matters with somebody you care about. That's the truth. You sit under preaching, you sit under the gospel, you sit under the Word of God, and it has no effect on you at all. I hope you're at least looking on the inside because it may very well mean, yes, you've got your spiritual wires disconnected, or God's Spirit is not in you. The scripture says, for those who believe, God's spirit is working within you, giving you the desires to do what pleases him. 
So it's a process. If you've ever built a home, you, you know that you don't sign on day one and day two the structure's built. It's ongoing. And there's setbacks, aren't there? You, you sign on and, and day one you may look out there and there'll be raw materials all over the ground. Day two, they're working on the foundation. Day three, they got some bricks and boards, however long as it takes. Maybe it's months, I don't know. But you're thinking about the progress and the process that you're going through. And then there's rain and there's storms. And it sets you back and they don't get as much work done. You keep getting set back, but progress is ever forward to that structure is being built. And that's where God is taking us. So don't get discouraged in well-doing. Amen? Don't give up. We'll reap a harvest of blessing in appropriate time. There's a process that takes us through this. The Spirit of God works with us, works on us. And for the believer, God's Spirit works towards us, towards holiness. So I would say this, don't give up, you need to give in. Don't give up, give in, and let God have his way. God will not lower his standard for us. Therefore, we must just give ourselves over to him and let him have it. We sing those songs, I surrender all, and there's a reason for that, because you might as well, because God's not going to change, and he's got all the power. So don't give up, give in. I want to close just with this. Put your Bibles up, but don't leave yet, because we're not done. So... Um, I would encourage you to stay connected right now. If you have a group, stay connected to that group. And, and if the group can get together and you can get together, then get together, all right? Because right now, as I've, I've quoted Heath Haney at East for a lot on this, but engagement right now is almost as much or more important than, than content. Staying connected to the body. That's not to disregard the teaching and preaching of the Word, but you need to be with your church family. Somehow do that. Stay connected. We were invited to a, a church. Uh, we were invited to a church group here uh, a week or so ago, and we went. We we need to stay connected ourselves. So we went, and we were sitting around there with a lot of awesome people. And then at the end, as we studied the Bible for a little bit, they had a prayer request. And so we're taking prayer requests. It gets around to us. And my wife Brittany shares a prayer request that's on her heart, and then it comes to me. And and I really did. I just asked everybody to pray for the church. I'll ask you right now to pray for the church. Yes, Lindsay Lane, but yes, the church. Because right now, these are unprecedented times. I take hope in knowing that the Word of God tells us that the gates of hell ain't going to get us. But at the same time, I know the challenges that we're facing. So I asked, I said, y'all just please pray for the church because we're trying to make wise decisions and praying for wisdom for today and vision for the future and all that. And so before we left that night, like I find myself thinking about what I just asked, and I bowed my head and, and prayed real quick quickly and quietly because you know when you're standing in a group of people if you stand here like this you get really weird real quick and people start looking at you like why has he got his eyes closed so i prayed very brief it's kind of a nehemiah prayer very brief but very serious and just prayed for god to give it back to us for god to give us the church back to give us give us a full sanctuary back give us sunday school back give us kids being in groups back give us the fellowship we have lord give us this give us a full parking lot again lord would you give it back to us and I'm, I'm not, I don't like using the words God told me, so I don't say that. I, don't, I just have fear and trembling to say, God told me. But what I can tell you is that in the quietness of my soul in that moment, is as if God put this question on my heart. If I give it back to you, what will you do with it? If I give it back, church, what will you do? Will you finally serve? Will you entertain giving the way that I see it instead of the way that you feel? 
If I give church back to you, will you think about evangelism and missions? Because I'm serious about it. If I give church back to you, will you change from coming in and sitting down to standing up and welcoming a visitor? If I give it back to you, will you do with it what I want you to do with it if I give it back? Amen? This is the structure we're a part of that God is working on. And I fully believe that God's in control. He knows exactly what he's doing. And I'm hoping it's going to sharpen us and flip us from where we may have been and maybe some complacency to where we need to go in a vibrant life for Christ. Amen? Let's bow our heads together. I'm going to pray. Brother Bradley's going to come and dismiss us. Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus today as we consider all that we've read and talked about in your word. Lord, if we need to step away from ourselves and we need to respond to you, I pray, O oh God, that today we would do that. In just a few moments as we give instructions how to, Lord, that we would not be distracted in a moment of maybe next week or maybe a month, but we know exactly what we need to do now. Lord, if we need to be saved, if we need to be baptized, if we need to join the church, or maybe we just need to stay connected to a group and start walking in the Spirit. Lord, whatever it is that you're bringing up to our heart and mind, the next steps that we need to take, I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would get us to where we need to be going. Lord, if you give it back to us, if you give the church back to the way that we used to see it, God, I pray that we would not be found unfaithful stewards. Lord, you bless this church, and I believe there's favor, your favor on this church, and God, that we would keep it. Lord, lead us as a body into this community to live the truth, share love, uphold convictions. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Bradley's going to come. I want to share this with you that next week, Lord willing, if the Lord says so, next week we're going to try to open the altar up. Uh, we'll try to, have, try to get back to that. But again, things are so fluid. Things are changing. We're still planning and preparing, but we need to be praying for sure. You don't have to pray at the altar, but there's something special about that, and we're going to open that up next week. And so we ask that you continue to be considerate of other people as they're thinking about social distance and all that. If you need to respond today, there's a few ways that you can do that. You can text LLBC to 31996. It's very easy. Follow a simple form, and we'll help take it from there. You text LLBC to 31996. Or you can call us tomorrow or email us today. Or you can talk to a pastor on the way out, let it clear out, and you just tell them a very simple, serious statement. I need to be saved. I need to join the church. I need to find a group. One of those. I need to be baptized. Amen? Brother, you come. Dismiss this, man.